1: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
2: believe. Hey guys, just a quick note before we get started. We had some technical difficulties at the end of this interview, so uh, we kind of cut out mid-sentence with Zach and Matt. But I think you guys will enjoy the rest of the conversation that we had about the Badgers' spring camp. Lots of great nuggets from our friend Zach Heilprint in there. So. Let's go ahead and get started. Back to the Believe in Badger football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by betonline.ag. Once again, I'm your host, Matt Perkins, joined, as always, by Badger legend, the Hebrew hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Bernie, how are we doing today?
0: And I'm very excited. We got my guy, Zach Halprin from The Zone. I can say, I know how to say your name. I've said it a hundred times. But, um... Dude, I, I'm so pumped, one, to have you because you're the reason I got into podcasting and radio um, and also because you have been there and seen what's going on with the Badgers and I feel like I haven't, so I need
1: you to tell me everything. Yeah, I'm so excited to be on with you, man, because you're the only, re- like, with our podcast that we started, what was that, five or six years ago, the only reason it went anywhere was because of you and oh. people, came, people came for you and just dealt with me like that. That's, that's essentially what that was. And
2: that's a very we're, familiar we're, feeling.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so Bernie is, I would do anything for Bernie. And uh, so I'm happy to be on with you guys. And I've really enjoyed all your interviews that you've been doing over the what, how long has it been going over a year now that you guys have been on? It'll, It'll be a here
0: in August. Oh, yeah. okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. So, I mean, you guys have done so many interviews, like it's like, <laughs> I mean, it feels like longer just because you guys have done so many interviews, so many great interviews. But I've loved listening to him because I love Bernie stories like that. I could listen to a podcast just to Bernie stories. And apparently, Matt, that's what kind of what this is, right? Pretty much.
2: Yeah. When I first had him on, I, I it was just like, OK, like, I'm just going to wind you up and let you go. And we're just going to go from there. And it was like it, it was like a moment of epiphany for me. So I was like on the spot. I'm like, Bernie, do you want to do this like all the time
0: with me?
1: So. <laughs> yeah, that's and all he got like, there. He's like, "Hell yeah." Yeah. Like, Hell yeah.
0: Hell yeah. I mean, once again, I I as you pro both probably do love to see myself on screen. I love hearing my voice. I love wearing Badger red, although I kind of wear this for work and everyday anyway. So, I and I bleed this stuff. Like this is my passion, Badger football. And the university is I mean, I work for them. Like I found a job where I can make money talking Badgers all day. It's kind of amazing. Same.
2: Our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info for all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs fights and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. Who've you got in the world series bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head on over to the website today, or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code Believe. That's B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts.
0: But Zach, so let's let's talk about you. Why don't you give us like a quick bio? Where are you from? How'd you get here? Why do you love the Badgers so much? And why do you also never think they'll win the national championship?
1: All right, go. (laughs) Uh, I mean, so I can't remember wanting to do anything else my entire life. Like this is the only thing I ever wanted to do. I learned uh, pretty young. Like I remember calling into radio stations and like doing like giving my opinion on things as like an eight, nine year old. And my mom's like, what are you doing on the phone? And so I had to explain that a little bit, but then, you know, I, I, I was like, well, maybe I want to go into TV. And then I realized I'm not very good looking. So like, I can't do TV. So I'm like radio that works and uh, went to school for it and uh, got lucky. Uh, I think it's more about, you know, that saying it's not who, it's not what, you know, it's who, you know. And I got lucky. I was doing news in Dam, and Jason Wilde, who is the Packers reporter for the state journal did like work for the same company. And I just asked him one time, do you need some help at training camp? And he said, yeah. And from there, it went to where it is now and got some uh, got some breaks along the way. I've been covering Wisconsin since 2013.
0: That's great. Are you a, are you are a big Packer fan
1: also? Growing up, I was. Yes, I'm a, I'm I'm from uh, Middleton, uh, grew up in Middleton. So, yes, obviously big Wisconsin sports fan Packers, Badgers. We have we, families had Badger season tickets since 1953 um, still have them. I don't, I haven't been to a game like <laughs> to go to actually go as a fan since 2012. Uh, I've kind of changed over and now I, I still enjoy football. It's a little bit different covering Badgers. Now it's like, it's not emotional anymore. It's, it was, it's more a job. It used to be emotional as heck. Like I, I can remember just going crazy in 2004 when some guy was jumping over Penn state, uh, you know, defenders and just having not eaten all day. And just tearing it up, but no, I, I grew up here. And so, yeah, I, I have those, those tendencies. Yes.
0: Okay. Perfect. So you say it's a job, which is great because I need you for information and I think everyone who listens needs you as well. So let's just rip the bandaid off and we'll go straight into the defense because honestly I'll get, gi- I gave that two minutes on this whole time. Um, you know, I don't really care about the defense. We were number one last year. I think we we're re- replacing eight starters. We still have Jimmy Leonard, so we're going to be good. But, Zach, tell us what you've seen. You can go position by position. I'll shut up. I don't know any of these guys. I mean, I know the guys. I don't know anything about them, though.
1: Yeah. Did you know Jim Leonard could dunk back in the day?
0: Dude, Not only can he dunk, he is a marvelously handsome young man. I mean, on this article, the guy hasn't aged. He still looks like he's working out. Man. Yeah, it looks good. Looks good. He looks good. He and looks like a, he could still play.
1: He's a beautiful yeah. human
0: being. It yeah, really he's is.
1: he's got a really good defense again. I made this I made this uh, grand pronouncement. I don't even know if it's that what, what that is, but like it, I think this defense, based on what I saw in spring, they have a chance to be maybe not as good as last year's defense, but right pretty close. And I don't think anybody probably would think that after losing eight starters, like you said. But where they are strong is in the defensive line, which is. Significant. I mean, Keanu Benton's back, Isaiah Mullins is back, and then you have two young guys in James Thompson Jr. and Rodas Johnson who have, I think, are ready to step in for Matt Heddington. You're looking, still looking for a, another nose tackle to uh, sit in there behind Keanu. But how much non, you know, how much base defense are you playing with three defense linemen these days? It's not, it's not a ton with how much sub package defense you playing. So I think that's a, I think that unit is going to be better than last year, even losing Matt Heddington and Bryson Williams outside linebacker. They've got five starters, Bernie. They got five starters at, at outside linebacker. It's insane. Uh, obviously, Nick Herbig is the one that's done it already. Nine sacks last year. You know, Missed some time in spring, which allowed the young guys to step in. I I look at a guy like TJ Bowlers, a four-star recruit. All I mean, pretty much all their guys at this position are four-star recruits. And there's a re- I mean, the talent on paper is showing up on the field. And, and TJ Bowlers is a guy who was... 260 last year. He's down to 250. He's maintained the strength, and he's just off the edge so quick. Uh, CJ Gets played a ton. Daryl Peterson's a guy that they love, and uh, is a guy that's going to be able to, I think, rush the passer. I mean, he had close to 30, over 30 sacks in his final two years in high school. Like he's just, he's a great pass rusher. Caden Johnson. I mean, the list goes on. And I, they and Bobby April said this: the offensive outside linebackers coach. This is as talented of a group as they've ever had depth wise. And he said, they're handpicked by me. They're handpicked by me. And uh, it's all coming together. I recruited all these guys and uh, it looks really, really good. The one spot that was a concern, there's two spots that were a concern coming into the off season was quarterback where you lose Fayon Hicks and Caesar Williams. And instead of just throwing young guys in there, they went out and got three talented, experienced corners in Justin Clark, Jay Shaw, and Cedric Dort. And I think that cornerback room is going to be just as good as it was last year. I, I don't see a drop-off. J- Justin Clark had a fantastic spring. I think he's going to end up being in the slot. Then you have uh, Jay Shaw, who was a second team all pack 12 guy last year for UCLA. He's going to slot in at one spot. And then Alexander Smith at the other corner. And that's not even talking about some of the younger guys that they have. So I think that spot's going to be really good. They're a little short. They're a little um, light at safety right now. Uh, they lost. Scott Nelson, they lost uh, Colin Wilder. And essentially it's John Torchio and Hunter Wolder right now because Travion Blaylock got hurt. I think that's a spot that they could potentially go into the transfer portal and grab somebody. And then the other spot we haven't talked about was inside linebacker where you have to replace the two, best in, two of the best inside linebackers in the country. And I don't necessarily think that they're going to obviously put up the type of production that they got from Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn last year. But Jordan Turner's the next big thing on defense. He is awesome. He is he's a little bit different body type, a little bit quicker, a little bit faster, but he's gonna be great. And then they have Tate Grass as their other inside linebacker right now, and then some younger guys. But I think this defense overall has a chance to be as good. Um, it, it it could potentially reach as good as it was last year, which is saying something because it was the number one defense in the country and the number one rush defense in school history. So I don't
2: me. I don't disagree with you there, actually, by any stretch of the imagination. You mentioned Bowler's I actually had him on the podcast before he enrolled. And one of the things that really stood out to me was how quick he was like intelligence wise right? He was, he's a guy who really picks up things really fast and you can just tell his brain processes information really quickly. He's someone who really impressed me. And I'm not surprised that he stood out this spring. The one thing you, you talked about on the defensive line though, Rodas Johnson, James Thompson, Jr. Even when they go with three down linemen a lot, those guys are so big and thick, like Henningson, they can bump inside to playing what four eye or something like that to, you know, to co- sort of compensate for the fact that they don't really have a second defensive tackle behind Benton.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Look, as I said, they're not playing a ton of base defense. So it, that's not a huge concern, but Keanu, you want to keep him fresh, right? Like you want to have him be as fresh as possible. And so if he's going to be playing in the nickel, sometimes when you go into the base, you'd like to have a, a, like they did last year with a guy like Bryson Williams, who's able to come in and give you a little bit of something. And um, you know, Ben Barton is a former walk-on. He was essentially the second team nose tackle. They they were missing some guys in spring, uh, Gio Paez and Kurt Neal, who was an incoming freshman who's still coming back from a torn ACL. So like they have some guys that could potentially step into that role. Again, it's not like a huge, huge concern because it's your, you're talking about your second team nose tackle. Like it's, it is what it is, but they are in such a better position now than they were the last time they had this kind of turnover. Like, the last time they had this kind of turnover was going from 2017 to 2018 when they lost just a ton of guys. And their defensive line was, being kind here, a disaster. Like, because they lost, I mean, Isaiah Latimer was hurt, you had Garrett Rand hurt, and you had lost Cheekwe Albasi and, like, all those guys. And so they had moved Caden Lyles over the defensive end. That's not the case this year. They are so much better equipped to handle um that loss and why it's why i think the defensive line if the defense line was having to undergo such a huge change like some other parts of the defense you might be concerned but they're not they're they're locked in
0: so we're 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 solid on on uh defense that they're
1: going to be top what 10 top five i mean you look at jimmy leonard's time at wisconsin he's but they've been in the top 20 every year except for one which was 2018 and uh this defense a much better spot than they were i think that year so yes, I think we've spent more than two minutes on the defense. Yeah. Andy, so. <laughs> I
0: Listen, I still want to talk defense, Yeah, but uh, you know, we, it's, it's hard. I'm interested to see, I like Turner. Who does he remind you of? Cause to me, the inside linebackers played the most pivotal role I've ever seen. Leo Chanel played a football game that I don't think I've, I
1: can compare it to somebody on the Badgers really ever. I mean, there's, there's very few 260 pound guys that can move like he can. And, like has anticipation like he can and plays with it fire like he did. Like, I mean, it was, he was a rare combination. That's why he's probably going to go, you know, on the second day coming up here. He's probably going to go on the, in the draft on Friday. So there are, I mean, he was, he was a beast Um, in terms of guys that potentially remind me of um, maybe a couple former teammates of yours. And just cause they were a little bit smaller guys that, but were really, really quick. Deandre Levy, and Jonathan Casillas. Um, small like not small guys by any stretch, but not like the Leo Chanel type size guys like probably in like the 230s. Um, you know and Jordan Turner's yeah, I think they, I think he's like 225 230 right around there, but fast as hell and can mm-hmm. move. and those are the type of things that I think uh, really stand out about him.
2: We already know he's good in coverage. We saw him last year um,
1: you know stand out. I knew he had at least one pick last year. Dude played 24 defensive snaps. He had two interceptions. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So
2: he's, <laughs> I, I think we're in good hands there. Um, let's, I mean, let's just get to the offense. We know what Bernie wants to talk about.
0: Um, Zach, I just, we, wait, I, I, I mean, I, but I, yeah, I just want to talk about, but Zach, I also want to hear your thoughts on coach. Chris has done really well. We could talk, this could be another segment, but he's done really well about bringing Badgers back to coach. On the defensive side, though, Bostad is now going back to offense. Is there going to be a big drop off? So on defense, is there going to be a drop off? And how exciting is that for the O line?
1: Well, uh, a drop off uh, with Bob Bostad moving over. I think it was it was hilarious. Bob Bostad was, was apparently talking with his inside linebackers when they when the move was coming and they knew he was going over the offensive line. He told them they knew who they were getting. They're getting Bill Sheridan. And he said, he told them he's going to make him look like a a nothing. Like Bill Sheridan is that type of coach, coach that, you know, Bob Bostad knew what he was doing at inside linebackers coach. There's no doubt about that. Like he's a good coach, right? But that wasn't his spot. That wasn't where he was. That's not where he knew his, where his place was. His place is the on the offensive line. So he knew bringing in Bill Sheridan was going to be a big lift for that position group. And I think it, I think it will be. Uh, But moving back over the offensive line, it's his passion, as he said, and he is a fantastic offensive line coach. I know a lot of people have been pushing for this to happen for the past what every every (laughs) the last five years. He got here every since he came back, (laughs) right? Every since he came back, this is what everyone wanted to happen, and he's been a huge shot in the arm. I mean, he has been a guy that. Who did I tell? I I think Rodas Johnson was saying like, these guys needed a kick in the butt a little bit to an extent, this offensive line did. And uh, Bob Bostad brings it. They are, he is a, he's a different personality than Joe Rudolph was. Joe Rudolph was a nice guy. uh, Could get after guys, but wasn't necessarily that. That wasn't necessarily his personality. Bob Bostad does not give a crap. He's going to get after you every, every play. And it's, so I noticed in practice, things going a lot quicker. There was a lot more reps. And the players knew it, and there's been more accountability. If there's a false start happening, you're not just you're, you're not just going on to the next play. The guy who false starts coming out, someone else is going back in, and at the end of practice, all those flags are are added up, and that's how many gassers the offensive line is doing. So, like this, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I saw your face, Bernie. No but you, one, but, no, but good. No one likes gassers. No one good. likes.
0: We, them. we were penalized all the time. Yeah, exactly. So pedal- penalties, I want. I mean, Zach, you, everyone did. Penalties in the red zone. I like wanted to pull my eyeballs out that, that kills your team and that's, and it killed us.
1: Yeah. So it's accountability, right? Like it's, it, you have to be accountable for it. And I think he's brought that to the position again. I l- really liked Joe Rudolph as, as a coach. I think he was a great offensive line coach, but maybe there were just a, maybe a new voice in there to get it back. And he kind of caught himself when we talked with him about what he wanted to bring to the offensive line. He said, we need to get back to, and then he cut himself off. Cause I don't think he wanted to be, he didn't want to do that, but essentially we need to get back to being the dominant unit that Wisconsin's offensive line used to be. And it has not been that for the last couple of years.
2: Well, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about that line, right? Because it's completely revamped from last season. We've got Jack Nelson sliding over to left tackle from right guard. Uh, Tyler Beach bumping inside to left guard from left tackle, which is a very good thing. Uh, Joe Tittman was out, so Bordellini was the first team center, uh, Fertney at right guard, and Logan Brown. And they were the unit for every single practice. They were like essentially the first team. My question for you is that I saw you tweeted out that you thought Bordellini was one of the, the real standouts um, uh, from spring ball, but where does he fit in the mix once Tittman is back? I know he was working at both guard spots with the second unit, but are they going to, I mean, I would have to imagine it would be Fertney that they would knock down, but I thought he, from what I read, he played very effectively. And I don't think Tyler Beach comes back for a sixth year if he's not going to start. So I, I, you know, even if it's at guard instead of tackle. So I don't, I'm curious what you think happens with Bordellini because they clearly really that like him. A,
1: one of the bigger questions we have. I think there's two questions on the offensive line. One, where do you put Bordellini? Because he is certainly clearly in my mind, one of the top five offensive linemen and you have to find a place for him. If this was last year and Joe Rudolph was the offensive line coach, he would be the starting right tackle because that is clearly the position that is um, the biggest concern. Logan Brown really, really struggled really, really struggled. It was a, and you know, you can put some things on that. his first time, you know, being on the right side, he played left tackle in high school. He played left tackle in college and moving over the right side, not exactly an easy transition, but he was not good enough. And you can't, if he's, if he played the way he did in spring, he can't be your starting right tackle. Now there's a lot of time before the opener, but like that to me is the biggest position. So if Joe Rulf was the coach, He'd be the right tackle. Tanner Bordellini would be the right tackle. He's not. And Bob Bostein likes to keep him inside. He, he thinks he's an inside body. Of the two guys, I mean, Joe Tippman's going to be your center. Of the two guys he could potentially take the job of, it would be, you would think it'd be Michael Fertney. Yet, he only he only got reps at left guard with the second team. Uh Tanner Bordellini did. So, I don't know exactly what they're going to do with him. I think it's clear that he's one of their top five guys. I just don't know where it is. And then the right tackle spot is if it's not Logan Brown, who is it? And if it's not going to be Tanner Bordellini, even more, <laughs> who is it? Is it? I don't think Nolan Rucci, another five star recruit, I don't necessarily think he's going to be ready uh, this fall. Trey Wedig, who was the backup right guard throughout camp, uh, moved into the when Logan Brown missed time. It was Trey Weddig moving into that right spot, uh, that right tackle spot. So could you also move Riley Mallman, who had a great spring at left tackle behind Jack Nelson over to the right side? I think that is uh, some of the possibilities that, that Bob Bostad has. So again, you- so, the, so the answer is I don't know. I, I don't know <laughs> what Tanner Bordellini is going to do. I don't know where they're going to go with him. But I have to imagine they're going to find a place for him somewhere because he is a very uh, good player and he's uh, versatile and can play almost any spot.
2: I, I was thinking about the fact that you know he, he's proven he's versatile and very athletic for his size with all of the injuries at tight end. I mean, he could, I mean, they could throw him out. I mean, they've done that before with, with guys. We've seen them do that before. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, they were using uh, Riley Mallman and uh, at times Nolan Rucci as that that big tight end. I don't know how much of that was just because that's the way they want to do it or because of the tight end injuries. Um, you know, they, they were missing so many guys this spring with the tight ends that, um, and that's what happens when you, when you don't have big guys to get in there and block. You need to find them and they're on the offensive line.
0: I love when they bring in like the big dudes for tight end. You do know it's not a pass. Like do it's barge, not a pass. Yeah. Yep. yeah, do
1: the do the barge from back in 2012 when you had why every, not? Op- yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. They got away from some things that I really enjoyed watching. So we could talk about that too. But so I I'm excited. Listen, I think I think the O line definitely needed a kick in the butt. I I I mean, just from watching, you know, being coached by one of the guys who's probably the hardest O-lines coach ever. He got those dudes ready to play. Um, Hubes, who was, I probably yeah. people still dream about how he was a tyrant. <laughs> yes. Um, but you, when you look throughout his tenure, those guys were the best guys. All of them played in the NFL almost. We always hit a lineman though, Zach. We always did. You know, we always had like a a right tackle. Uh, we had maybe a left tackle until Joe Thomas came, and then you know we didn't. You, you, but you always hit a guy who just wasn't. Um, you know, out of was ranked. Somebody has to be ranked fifth out of five yeah. linemen. So right. we always hit a guy. Could Logan Brown be hitted?
1: No, you don't. You don't think so. Okay, I I don't think you can. I I, I don't because I I don't. I always and thought I, in the I, past
0: I, at least chip the pass at least help him on pass coverages and stuff
1: like that. But like going into that, like you have to have a better option, and I yeah. and I, I think that they definitely gave him every opportunity to win the job in spring and giving him as many reps as possible at a new spot is important. I agree. And I, he's still got talent. Like he's a, still a five, the talent didn't go anywhere. He's still got the a- attributes of a five-star recruit. He just hasn't put it out together. Some of that is injury wise, but it, again, he just wasn't, he just wasn't good enough, especially in the past game, like guys. And again, he was going against some really, really good outside linebackers that I think are going to make life miserable for a lot of people but it just wasn't, it wasn't good enough um, to be a starter. And if that's what he's going to be in the fall, I don't think you can have him out there, hide him or otherwise. I mean, I just, do you really want to limit your offense starting out? Like you're a limited offense to begin with, right? Like do you really need to take more options off the table? If you're going to start chipping um, every single time, because you're just not confident he can, he can hang it out there.
0: Okay. I wouldn't say, first of all, I think our offense might be amazing this year. That's just me every year.
1: Being yes. Well, you got, you got them going 12 and 0 winning a national championship. So you got uh,
0: every year, the jets, the same. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm very anticipating the draft, but okay. So we'll, we'll transition from, we need the o line for this group specifically, the running backs who are my favorite group by far. Braylon Allen is not 17 anymore. Thank God. Um, now he's 18. So I guess, I don't know if that matters or not, but he looks awesome. Has he continued to pr- progress in, in everything? Has he taken a leadership role? Like, what is a seventeen-year-old jumping into the limelight? Like? like, what
1: what have you seen from him? He's he's not a talkative guy. Like, he's not a big rah-rah talkative guy. So, I don't necessarily think that's probably ever going to be him. And he's still the young guy in the room. If you think about it. Obviously, with the carries that he's gotten, he's he's clearly the number one running back, but you still have Chess Blusey in there. You still have Isaac Garendo in there, Brady Shipper, like all these guys that have been there, been around for a while. So I don't, I don't know if uh, taking a leadership role yet, but what he brings is just uh, the type of talent that nobody else has at that, at that position. I mean, he's big, he's fast. I think it's clear that he was hitting the hole, I think quicker this year than, than at the end of last year, which makes sense. Cause he's, completely healthy now. Um, he, the, the thing about what they did with him in spring certainly got the ball in his hands in the past game more. Uh, we noticed that. And I think that's going to be a big part of it I, because you're trying to make easy passes for Graham Mertz, right? Like you're trying to get the ball in your hands, of your playmakers, let him go. And certainly Braylon is one of those. The only knock on Braylon this spring for me was a, a little bit of a, a fumbling issue towards the end of it, but he had those, he had those issues at the beginning of last year and he was able to rectify it. So I don't think it's anything big deal. He's, he's primed for another huge year. The bigger question is who's going to be in there and spell him.
2: Well, well speaking it, of those, oh. the, the running backs, I and mean, who's going to be spelling him. That's going to be up to new running backs coach Al Johnson. And <laughs>
0: the, <laughs> I just think it's so interesting that they brought, you know, and I love Al and I think he's a great coach. It's just so interesting. Like guys transfer to different positions. And to me in my brain is having a hard time, like figuring that out. That's just why I did this because he's a center his whole life. He's probably never touched the ball besides being down, hiking it to a quarterback. So he's only touched the
2: ball on every single play. He's yes. ever <laughs> he stepped knows what on the, the pigskin field. feels
0: like, but he's never done anything else with it. Um, and I, it's just so interesting that he's he's the running back. I, Zach, no, I want to hear what you think about
1: this. No, I was going to say, I, I don't think you're wrong in that. I think the the running back said as much like Julius Davis was like, what? What's what? Uh, originally, like that was his original thought coming out of it. And I think that was everyone's like, well, really? Okay. Um, but he said that, you know, Paul Christ has done a really good job of hiring assistant coaches uh, has done a good job of filling holes in certain places with assistant coaches. I mean, you look at some of the guys he's brought in, whether it's Bobby April or Hank Boteet or Jim Leonard. I mean, like they, some of these guys that have done, you know, a really good job in, in, in different places, um, with their particular positions, this is a little bit different, obviously with an offensive lineman being your, your running backs coach. But as he he told us, like he has been the offensive coordinator and head coach for the last few years down at, uh. East Central, whatever, Hecate, uh State University who is at, um, <laughs> whatever. Um, what was it? I don't even know. I don't even it. know. Yeah, I, it was. It, it's some. Yeah. East Central University or something like that. I don't know. But, but he, Bobby um,
0: Boucher played there.
1: Yes. And, Louisiana uh, was,
0: State Technical College. Yeah. I don't so know he, what it is.
1: <laughs> yeah. So he, uh, he is, you know, he's coached the position like through that lens. Um, but it's new. And then there's no doubt about it. They think that he's given them some help in in pass protections and that type of stuff. And again, I I, you know more than I do when it comes to running back the the details obviously that go into playing the position. How significant are they? Or are they take the ball and run to the hole? And some of it and and it's and how much of it is how much of it is natural?
0: You know, I think listen, I think Al Johnson as a person, I you want to be around him. He's a nice guy. He's he's like not as He's not a Jim Huber. Like, he's, he's a leader. He was a leader when I was on the team. I think the the personable Al Johnson's great. I think his knowledge of O-line, the, the offense, is big. Coach White was so good at landmarks, understanding what's happening. I think Al brings some of that. I don't know if he brings all of it. Listen, the guy's, he's still young in his career, and now he's coaching Braylon Allen, who could be one of the best running backs Wisconsin has seen I think of all time. So it, it's a, to me, it's a big jump, but I'm excited to see what he does. You know, you, you got a room that to me is, is proven and these guys are good and they, yeah. and they have experience and they can coach each other. And you have Coach Chris. I'm, ex, I'm excited for the hire. I was just like, wait, what? He's, yeah. was a center for a long <laughs> time that I,
1: <laughs> yeah, you talk about, how good the room is and he knows it. He's, he said, it's kind of like being given the keys to the Mercedes by your parents or your Lamborghini or whatever the heck uh, car he talked about. And he said, you know, you just don't want to go out and crash it when it, when it comes to Braylon Allen, you just don't want to go out and crash it. Cause he's, he's a really, really good running back and um, just don't want to ruin him. But I mean, again, they have, they have questions behind it. Like is Ches Malusi going to be ready for the opener? He says he is coming off that torn ACL. We'll see. Is uh, Isaac Grendel going to be stay healthy be able to stay healthy? I don't know, uh, Julius Davis, do they trust him enough to put him in as a, a key player? That's another one. That's a big question. Uh, I thought he had a great spring. Uh, he he practiced all 14. He practiced 14 times and then he got hurt, missed the last, the last practice of the hand injury. But I mean, those, those four guys, and then you have Brady Shipper is kind of your, um, guy that you can, you can call on to do pretty much everything.
0: So do you think Davis is the guy? Well, at least right now, I, I, I actually love Chesma Lucy. Yeah. I think he what he did from game one to wherever before he got hurt looked amazing. Yeah. Isaac Arendo, I'm, I'm like on the fence. I think his speed and talent are there. Um, I just want to see it more. But he doesn't get a ton of reps in the games. And now that Braylon Allen is there, he might not. And I love Brady Shipper. Brady Shipper, to me, is like a Groshek-type guy. Like yeah. knows what to do and will do it and put his body in front of a train to take on like a, an outside rusher, anybody.
1: Right. Yeah. I will say this. I think Ches Malusi has, has changed his body a little bit. He's put on like 15 pounds. Like he was, I mean, he's a big guy. Like, and and I know there was a joke made about like how it's all in his traps. I mean, cause he is, they are like here, you know? So, um, but he's, he's put on some weight. I just don't know if he's going to be ready for the opener and if he's mm-hmm. not. So again, it's Illinois state. I don't necessarily think you're going to need him, but you would like to have him get some snaps before potentially, having to go to Ohio state September 24th. Um, I like Isaac Correndo. can't stay healthy. We saw a speed though. We saw a speed against Eastern Michigan. We took off down the sideline. It was just, it's a different, it's a different speed. I know Jonathan Taylor still talks about him and like how he's trying to catch him speed wise. Like J- JT, everyone talks about how fast JT is and some of the runs he had last year. And he's trying to get to 23 because that's what Isaac Correndo got to at one point. So those are, um, they're nice options. They're just not healthy right now. So if Davis needs to be the guy at, I think he can be the guy at uh, with as a number two, if need be. Well, well like, we got to talk about fullbacks too. We have to talk yeah. about fullbacks.
2: So Jackson Acker, Riley Nowakowski. I mean, they are surprising. that guy sounds like a fullback. Yeah, Riley Nowakowski sounds like a fullback, but he wasn't working with the fullbacks full time. He was spending some time at tight end, I think, because of injuries. I like Acker a lot. I mean, he was a true tail. I mean, he was a tailback coming out of high school. A lot of people thought he would grow into a fullback. He was kind of resistant to it at first, it seemed, but do you think he's going to be the guy on opening day that is uh, playing one of the the signature positions of the Wisconsin offense?
1: Yeah. Signature positions in college football, Wisconsin fullback. Bernie, did you ever weigh less than your running back? Uh, (laughs) I I didn't weigh less than two or three of them. OK, usually because right. because uh, Jackson Acker's smaller than Braylon Allen. I'm just I was trying to think back into Wisconsin football history of guys that have been smaller than their tailback. Well, I mean, who was uh, who was Ron Dane's fullback? Well, that's what I'm saying. Cecil like, Martin
0: have to go yes. all the way back there. Cecil Martin,
1: yeah. but like the Coons, the Coons. Uh, well, Chad was probably smaller
0: than Ronnie, yeah. but, but I think like, everyone was but, smaller than Ronnie. But but I think where you're going with this is, yeah, well, if Ron Dane was a a, a glorified center. Who is a, who is amazing? I listen. I don't think anyone will ever be as good as he in college. I I'll, I'll stand on that pillbox all day. I think sure. JT's like right there. Um, and what JT's doing now in the NFL, we'll we'll we can we'll have this debate later in life about the careers. Um, now you got me off my but but what I was what I was saying is Chad Coons was probably like two fifty though. Like he's two forty five. He just didn't look huge.
1: Yeah, you know yeah. Like
0: he, but he was a strong dude. So you, you know, you're going off of he was 250, maybe 245, if he didn't eat a sandwich, and you had Ron Dane behind him who was 200, and, let's say 60 pounds to be generous, um, on a on a <laughs> on a really good day. Yeah. So I, so you know, like, but how how, uh, um, what's his name? I don't. Acker looks like he's like 220, 225.
1: Yeah, I mean he's he's not a. I mean I think he's over 230 now. He's he's gained some, but he's he's not. Braylon's still bigger than him. I, I don't think it's a matter. I was just, I was just wondering if you had ever been there. I, like, I feel like peach, I don't know. I'm trying to remember who PJ Hills fullback was. After was Brady Ewing? Ewing? Brady Ewing, Bill Rentmeester maybe uh, like Brady yeah, Ewing, like Brady Ewing was like 2010. I, I feel like Rentmeister was before Ewing. So it Rent, may, it may, yeah. it may have been Rentmeister. Rentmeister
0: R- was right after I left. Well, it was oh, Presley. Was,
1: was Presley. Yeah. So he wasn't, Presley was definitely bigger than, <laughs> <laughs> bigger PJ than PJ Hill was Hill. a big boy too, though. He, he was, was a big guy. He was. Yeah, him I and John PJ. Clay, both big him and John Clay, both big guys. And they lost yep. all the way to try and run fast for the combine. And it, it didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I love John Clay. I thought John Clay was going to be like the next, the greatest thing ever. And he was really, really good in 2009. He was compared did,
2: to Jim Brown coming out yeah. of high school. Well, Jim that was his guy Brown. the greatest he's, that's, football player of all time. Like I, like I, I remember thinking like, Oh my God, this person is going to change because he came in with, uh, Oglesby and yeah, they came in the same yep. class two five stars from in state. Like you never get that. And I thought that was just going to be like, we're going to win the Rose bowl every
1: single year. <laughs> yeah, no, they, uh, that he wore 32 because of Jim Brown and that, I mean, he looked like him in 2009. I mean, he had a great year in 2009. I think we can all agree. Didn't get the ball enough in the 2011 Rose bowl against TCU. Probably needed the ball a little bit more, but that was, he never, he was never fully invested. I think he probably said like, just, just never got down to the weight. Like when he was a junior in high school, he tore it up. He was like 220 and could not be stopped. And he never really got to that weight again until he wanted to run for the NFL. So, uh, but again, huge, John Clay fan, huge, huge John Clay fan. Um, in terms of Jackson acre, I think that is, it is going to be him probably has a little bit more to grow body-wise and in just the, the idea of instead of running, trying to run away from guys, running into guys um, and, <laughs> and leading the way it's, it's not just, it's not easy. I know you're trying to find the hole burning. Like that's, that's the point of the, the fullback you're, you're trying to find the hole for the running back at times and they follow you and all that good stuff. But it's, I don't think it's just as easy as that. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, he looked good. Garrison Soliday was the other guy that played a bunch today. He's a, he's a big guy today, this spring. He's a big guy. Riley Nowakowski was almost exclusively with the tight ends this spring. I don't know if that, when they get all those guys back, I don't know if he's going to move back to fullback or not. The other guy that's interesting is Cam Large. Had he not gotten hurt last year, he was, I think he was going to find a spot at at fullback. Um, He got hurt at Purdue and uh, he's not back yet from his injury, but I think he's another option at fullback.
2: What was interesting when we had Leo Chanel on, he said that, I mean, he said his brother was the toughest blocker he faced. And we'll all take that with like a, with, with a heaping like dump truck of salt. Yeah. But he, the other guy he kn- said was Cam Large. He said Cam Large was the other guy who he said was just the toughest dude to yeah. get around best blocker. And so i been excited about him. I mean, coming, he was from Massachusetts, I think prep school over yeah. there. And he was, I remember coming out he had, he had a lot of, pretty big offers he picked Wisconsin over Ohio State uh I remember being a really big deal so I you know I I hope they can find a place for him because I think that he has the potential to be a a real impact player we haven't talked about the wide receivers yet the wide receivers are I think really strong they're in a good place right now Uh, especially, I mean, DK seems to have stepped up. Keontas Lewis, I'm curious as to what you saw out of him, the UCLA transfer and the, uh, the, you know, the adaptation to bigger roles for guys like Marcus Allen um, and Skylar Bell uh, and and sort of what that has all looked like to you.
1: Zach, can Uh, I ask you a question quickly? How many guys came in early? Six. That's amazing. Yeah, there were six of them. A couple of them were unable to take part cause they were injured, uh, coming off of ACLs. I mentioned Curtis Kurt Neal, the looked, nose tackle. Yeah. And then obviously, uh, a Curry lied. The quarterback was also dinged up, but they had, a, I mean, they had a bunch of guys, um, you know, you think about, uh, quarterback Avion Jones kind of plays corner or safety. They had a, a walk-on that came in early as well. Aiden, Aiden, um, in Vaughn. Aiden, Aiden Vaughn, thank you. Um, at inside linebacker got, got a bunch of work, um, and then they had an offensive lineman Dylan or I should say um, the other Nelson Barrett Nelson came in uh, early as well. I don't know if any of those guys are going to be able to um, play right away. I think if any of them might, it might be Avion Jones just because they have some issues at safety, but um, I don't know if any, any of those guys will end up being contributors this year in terms of the wide receivers outside of outside linebacker. I think that they had potentially the best spring of any, any position group. Um, Tim DK. I know this is probably going to be a little bit, maybe this is a little bit over the top, but they haven't had a number one receiver the last two years, in my opinion, like a, a legit number one receiver, not since Quintez. Chimri Dike has a chance to be that guy. I think he's stepped his game up to the point where he's going to be a legit number one receiver. We saw him catching passes all over the place. He was the favorite target in short, intermediate, deep routes. It didn't matter. Like they were looking for him and he was making plays. So I think they had, he had a really, really good spring and maybe just a notch below him was Skylar Bell. Skylar Bell has come out of, he's going to be a starter. Like he is, he's going to be starter opposite Jim Ray DK. He was fantastic. He's put on some weight. He goes up and gets the ball. He's super athletic, catches the ball really well. Keontez Lewis brings absolutely everything you want in a wide receiver. He's tall. He's fast. He's a willing blocker. He'll, you know, he's got big play potential. He's got, he brings it all. So, and, and he'd made a bunch of big plays. I will almost guarantee you. He, he played all 12 games or 11 or 12 games last year for UCLA did not catch a pass. I will guarantee you he's going to catch at least one pass this year. I don't know. I don't, is, that, is, that is, is that going on on a limb? I mean, that, that's, I that's,
2: a, that's a pretty far limb, but, you know, Yeah. Why yeah. not? Uh,
1: a guy who, who kind of I was expecting to take a bigger leap was Marcus Allen. He showed up later in camp. Um, he had a couple of really good practices to end things. It wasn't great. I, I shouldn't say it wasn't great. It was. You were expecting him to take a big leap, and it he was a little slow starting. I'll say that. But he came on towards the end. And then Dean Ingram, you could make a case for him saying he was the most consistent of all the guys. It felt like every single practice, he made a play, every single practice he made a play. And um, it's, I mean, that says something The guys playing corner the last time we saw him and now he's playing wide receiver and he looks as natural as a wide receiver as he did as a cornerback. So they've got those five guys. And I think it's a, it's a really talented group, but Chimre D.K potential legit number one receiver, which is something they haven't had since Quintes. And really, you know, you think about it, they really haven't had overall a ton of guys like that. I think of Quintes, I think of Alex Erickson. I think of Jared Aberderis. Like that's the last three that you could say are legit number one guys who you're going to be looking at more than anybody else. Yeah, but that goes back too far. I agree. I mean, that's well, I mean, before I, I think, that
0: it's Lee Evans.
1: No, before it's Nick Toon,
0: I think, right?
2: No, Nick, Nick was paired with Abby. And yeah. Abby was the number one
1: guy. Like I was thinking, man, I was thinking Abby was, I'm thinking Abby 2013 where they had absolutely nobody. That's true. Um, and, <laughs> him, to him, me, and like, him in 2012 yeah. and 2013, Nick, I would say probably was the higher up on the, on the list of the depth chart when you, when you say it, but they had a couple of really good receivers with him and Abby uh, in, in 2010. But before that you could, I mean, you could make the argument that it was Lee Evans.
0: Oh, that's scary stuff. Well, to me, this is the biggest, this is the group that we need. Oh, the Brandon most. Williams,
1: Brandon Williams, of course. Brandon Williams, the right. Williams, it was yeah.
0: all, it, but it's all the same. I mean, they played together. Um, right, right. Yeah. It's just, to me, this is the one place, the one group that we need for our offense to take off. Without the wide receivers, I think we're in trouble. Because nothing works. Like, everyone stacked the box. We're
1: not even throwing down the field. That was a change in camp. Uh, we Good. saw a ton of we saw a ton of balls down the field, and again, who knows what that's going to end up happening in the year? We were talking about this on our podcast. It's just we talk about all these things that happen in spring, and I know Bernie, you hated spring. Um, it sucked, right? Like It was the worst thing ever. Like, how much does it actually mean? We, we're we're sitting here talking about all the things that could happen and means, and then we'll get to the fall, and like half of it won't even matter, and, and probably seventy five percent of it won't matter. But wide receivers significant all these guys these guys were able to stay healthy which just hasn't been the case for the most part in past years stayed healthy got a ton of reps and made plays and a lot of plays down the field and y'all the other thing in spring is you're you're for you to make plays the other person has to give up plays and so it's your defense giving up plays and some of the guys that they were going against as we talked about the safeties maybe not going to be out there come fall but they made plays down the field and um i thought that that was as uh, a huge sign I'll take a little, I'll have a little quibble with you about the wide receivers being the thing that makes the offense go though.
2: I do. I do as well. I actually want to fundamentally disagree with you on that and say they are the least important position at this point.
1: I I wouldn't say least. And I would, and I, and mine's a minor quibble. I will not, I will not go full on Matt Perkins there. Like I, that's, I I will, I will not, uh, I'm, I'm taking a slight quibble with you, Bernie. I would never, I would never wholeheartedly disagree with you on anything.
0: Okay. So they're going to be national champions this year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard, no All right. minor, minor quibble, minor quibble with that. No. Um, yeah. It's wide receivers are important, um, but it's going to come down to the guy and we haven't, I mean, we've been doing, we've been talking for like 50 minutes and we haven't mentioned Graham Mertz yet. <laughs> and without, and with him, without him playing at a, at a higher level, it's just not going to matter.
2: None of it matters. None of it matters if Mertz doesn't step up. But for me watching it last year, I put almost 50% of the blame on the offensive line. Last year's offensive line was terrible. Like it was bad. Uh, you know, Tyler Beach had statistically one of the worst seasons of any power five tackle. And he had no protection. And so you saw he was rushing his throws all the time, delivering them high. And that's because he, I felt like he had no security whatsoever in the pocket. And so for me, the offensive line is actually the biggest key because if they can actually give him time and he can become comfortable once again, in the pocket, we can see, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever reach his debut against Illinois. I don't know if that is attainable again, but something that is 80% of that should be attainable on a weekly basis. If he has the comfort, but like even watching some of those clips, man, like like best play from practice either, it was a freaking duck, like it was a duck. Like I might as well have yelled pull before like when that clip started because it was an amazing catch, but the ball just looked absolutely terrible. I'm like, oh my god, like this dude was supposed to be able to spin it, like no one else coming out of high school. So I'm getting a little bit impatient. I'm not calling for his job. I don't think I <laughs> I, I wouldn't do that. I don't feel comfortable with the depth at quarterback. That's a second question, but for me, it's still going to come down to that. How much time is he going to have
1: with that offensive line? Zach hit, hit us it. with, I was, I was just going to say, I was, I was just gonna say you, so you were the one that was in the comments talking about the, about the ducks. Cause I, I, I that, that clip that you're talking about was Riley Nowakowski, right? Like a great yep. catch. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the comments was just like duck. Woo, woo, Actually, quack, I, I'm not much, quack, of, I'm not
2: much, of, I'm not much of a commenter. So I didn't even like notice that, but <laughs> I just saw, I just watched <laughs> a clip and I was just like, Ugh. okay. Great play Riley.
0: But like, yeah, yeah. We well, I t- I- I'll defend myself quickly. Cause I think we have an O line and we have a running back, right? So to get guys out of the box, listen, everything always relies on the quarterback. I mean, that's duh. that's where you make the most money. That's why you're the mode. You're QB one. If he gets hit, everyone's fired. Like all these things. Yes. I've always been a big Grand Mertz fan, but I agree that this is the year. I feel like this is his seventh year out of like 20. He's allowed to play because with the COVID and the other things, Zach, you've seen him. Is he taking the helm? Is he taking a step forward? Are these things happening? Is he being consistent? Like, is there any of these things that you need that we needed to see? And as your your face does not say that these things are happening.
1: Yeah. So uh, (laughs) legitimately, he's got three years of starting quarterback left in him if he wants to. And he so, started
0: three years. He's already be two. This
1: will be his third year starting. This will Got be two. Okay. So he could he could be he could be a five year starter. Um, I think people that were expecting a huge jump this spring, from what we saw last year, are probably going to be disappointed in what I had to say. Um, he it's not that he had a bad spring at all. He didn't. Uh, there were so many good throws. There were so many good decisions. There were a, I mean, there was a ton of it, but it just wasn't consistent. And the biggest issue for him has always been consistency. And, you know, uh, Matt talked about it, saying that, you know, him having time in the pocket and that type of stuff. Well, in spring, you don't get to get hit, right? You don't get hit. So you should be sticking in the pocket and, and just make it throws. And yet some of the balls were high, and some of the balls were behind guys. Like you're not getting hit and yet you still aren't able to make those throws. That's, that's a bit of a concern. But again, he had a, he had so many good throws. It just, you need consistency at that spot with him. And Paul, Chris said as much like it's, there's been some good. And then there's things that you just cannot do. And he talked about that at the beginning of spring. He talked about it last week. So that's kind of where we're still at. So I, I think if you're, if you're the optimist and you look at all the new coaches, they have and the new offense that they're putting in and the new odd receiver group that they have and the lack of tight ends at the room, you'd be like, That inconsistency is, that's just what it is. I mean, that's what's, that's, you can point to that and say, that's the reason for it. Or you can be a pessimist, which is kind of my nature, but I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm going to put it out there and say that this is what a pessimist would say. I'm not saying this. A pessimist would say, a pessimist would say there's a career's worth of evidence showing that he is just, that's just maybe who he is. Uh, The inconsistency there. That's what a pessimist would say. I am not saying that. I'm saying that there was plenty of good to go along with some, uh, some not so good, and I still, I, I will say it is getting harder to believe that it's ever going to click. But I don't think it's fair to do it right now because of so many new things happening with the offense. So I don't, I don't want to sit there the and year. say, I, I don't want. Yes, this, this is definitely the year. The year, but it's also, it's also so many new things happening this spring that I don't want to sit here and say that this is exactly what he's going to be this fall because you just don't have. Uh, there's not everything in place that and everything you know together as it could be in the fall now if these things are happening against illinois state and and maybe into the middle of the year again maybe maybe uh it's that's just who he is I'm not saying that yet I'm saying optimist pessimist two two different things it, just take the just take the the drop down and yes and take the throw, check down take the check down take it and that's what Bobby Ingram said he's like we're trying to get him to be understanding that he does not need to hit the deep throw down the field or throw into coverage just to make a play. Take the check down. How many, how many Braylon Allen get Braylon Allen, let him go for five or six yards. I mean, he just do the Tom Brady, just do the Tom Brady, just check it down. Let your running backs catch like 90 passes and, and, and make you look good. I mean, James white and go on down the list of all the running backs that he's, that Tom Brady played with, just check it down take the easy one and, and set up something more manageable down the road. But you also never know when a, when you get the ball in space in a
0: Braylon Allen's hands. You know, like Anthony Davis had some great catches and he would run with it afterwards. And it's, it's just like a glorified run. You know, it's a so five-yard pass. High, high and tight. High Red and ball, tight. Ball up here. Ball to the football gods. That's what Coach White would say. I hope <laughs> Coach Johnson's saying it too. Um. <laughs>
2: well, so one thing I wanted to jump in on top of that you mentioned Bobby Ingram. What is sort of the biggest difference between the way that Bobby Ingram's offense looks, how he runs practice with the offense, whatever, from what we saw with Rudolph? And how do you feel about that move, you know, at sort of like the, I like sort of like the quarter pole, right? We've we've gotten some time to see like what it's going to at least start to look like under him. How do you feel now about the hire? How did you feel before about the hire? Has that changed? And sort of just what's your overall vibe, I guess, with Bobby Ingram?
1: Yeah, I think it's still there. I really like Bobby Ingram. I think it's an interesting hire. There's no doubt about it. A guy who you know is, has spent a ton of time in the NFL and and done it with a uh, with an offense that has been pretty creative in in the ways of to use their guys in Baltimore. I I like it. I don't know if we saw. There are there are changes. It is a different offense. I don't know if the average person and I include myself in this will see. We'll, we'll notice the changes significantly. There are there are changes. There's no doubt about it. There's some there's some more toss plays involved. There's there's a lot more spread them out. uh you know, four or five wide receiver sets. There's been more down the field throws, you know, uh out of the slot. Like I noticed that. Like almost all their almost all their big plays came from the slot. And, and uh, you know, I don't necessarily think we've seen that from from them in past years, but uh I think it's still a wait and see to exactly how big of an impact his thing, how big of an impact he'll have on the offense. Paul Christ has clearly taken a step back, but I don't know how significant that step back is going to mean, you know, come fall again. It, I, I apologize. I, you know, w- with the spring, you, you, you can only take and under and um, see what you see. And then when it comes fall, we'll see if any of it actually pans out.
0: Right. Well, the spring is where you like practice all these random things. Like you do yeah. your cores, your course, you practice it. And then you start throwing in some of these eclectic plays and you start doing things. You might, what you were saying before, you might not see, you might throw the ball down the field to the same dude 20 times. He makes 20 catches and you never see it again. And it's a, it's just, it's just a weird, the spring is for guys to just get experience playing football and young guys. That's why I didn't like it. Cause as a, as a, you know, sophomore, junior, senior, who's starting. uh, Yeah. I mean, I'm getting better, but, I just don't want to keep hitting the same guys over and over and, and practices were no joke. You're in full pack. Now I don't know what they're doing now, if it's full pack or not. I'm excited. Listen, a toss play. Cool. I'm excited to see what that looks like. Is it a high up on my like agenda? Not really. I, I thought the offense was so vanilla and so like kept on a straight path. Like we didn't really veer and do anything that I think would help our guys. I'm hoping that that's what we do. We open it up. So we have more screens when they're not supposed to be a screen down. Like, I feel like we're also very, um, what's the word? Like people can read us.
1: Yeah. We're I mean, predictable. It, yeah. There has been, there were, I think that there, there was some of that. There are some screens in there. Also some motion. Like I think that was a big thing for people last year, the lack of motion pre-snap motion to kind of get a read on what the defense is doing. Thought that we saw a ton of that in the spring. I think that'll probably be, back in uh back in the offense and i know that's such a like a, a cliche to think oh do more motion before the snap everything's gonna be better i don't know that but i think it does give the quarterback a better read on what he's gonna be looking at uh you know with the defense many kind of show their hand a little bit.
0: We also shifted a lot two years ago and we don't do any of that now. We didn't do it last year. I think that's just annoying for the defense, but it's I think it's because you have to start rethinking everything and the, yeah then you're going into your cadence and I mean, football happens very quickly. Um, but I'm excited. Listen, I'm excited for offense. I'm excited for someone else to take the reins.
1: I have a question for you. Oh, in, yes. In, 2000, in 2004, when your offense was horrible and the defense was really good, just trying to be honest with you, yeah. um, well, did you true. ever get like, did you ever get like, uh, lose confidence because you could not even do anything against your defense in practice? Like, did it affect you at all? Not for okay. a second. All right. All right. That's, I'm just, I'm just wondering. Because like Listen, put, I, like banging your head against a wall and, and not being able to break through, it has to be demoralized. You would think demoralizing, but again, barely. No, not. I, but here's the thing
0: I would say, yes, but here's what I think happened with coach white. So I actually think he's the best offensive, not offensive coordinator. No, hold on. The best running backs coach. He needed, he was a good running coordinator, not offensive yeah. coordinator. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What he did, and like I'm thinking back to like when we went in 04 and we played at Ohio State, like we were getting stuck. And then he starts putting in different packages and we're running the same plays out of two tight end sets, out of um, with a fullback, with, you know, then we're in Cheetah, which is three wide receivers. We can do, we were doing the exact same things we've always been our bread and butter out of a hundred different formations, out of motions and sometimes some shifts. We got Stocko. I caught a pass in the flats. We, we did some, um, You know, some like hardcore play action would would, would, would run, not run, would um, roll out. I think we, I'm forgetting all my football terms because we're not in football season, but I think what he did was find ways to make plays successful. And, you know, like, listen, our offense was not good at all, but we won games because our defense was that good. Yeah. You know, Stocko was young, you know, there was a lot of hoopla about how he just wasn't stepping up to the plate, but look at how he finished his career. It was awesome. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and so, and we had guys and we had playmakers and we got them the ball. Brandon ones, just throw the ball up in the air, let him go get it. And he was five feet tall and he would go get it. <laughs> you know? So like we, we had OD, like you had guys and we had an offense with players, yeah. you know, we had Calhoun well, the year before we had Anthony Davis. I mean, I just thought, you know, but you're talking about going up against the best D-line I think we've probably ever had um, there. Yeah. We had some great, we had the probably the best secondary, not, not the best, but a lot of good guys. And we had some good, we had some good linebackers. We probably, we, but I remember just blowing people up and we were moving the ball on them in the run game. But when you put it together, we really couldn't move the ball.
1: I was going to say, I mean, uh, that offense was not good. I mean, no. I mean, you go back and look at the, I think the last time they averaged, like the points that they did like these last two years was 2004. Like that's the last time they struggled to score the ball. I, I'm not, wait, tra- wait, wait. Hey, listen, we went and zero. So
0: what does that matter?
1: Well, I mean, it could have used it against Michigan state and, uh, that, and I do, listen,
0: that I, I will not argue in my defense, but we yeah. did go nine and zero, and we and then they had to, to, to use- start doing those things again.
1: And then they got so hurt at running back, they had to use, uh, you know, you again. And it just didn't, it, the, the magic didn't hit the magic. No, didn't.
0: when we well, Bob Sanders took my knee out and I, that was yeah, it. I know. I, I know that thing was popping in and out on the field. It was
1: bad. AD scored against Michigan state, right? Right before half. Right. Well, yeah, on a beautiful long run. Yeah, no, like he, like they dove at the end zone. Like he was right at the goal line and they, they, they called him oh, short and yeah. then, and then it was a blowout city in the second half.
0: Yeah, it was it was really sad. That, that was, the ending of the season is very sad.
1: Yeah. Those the 4 or seasons, and even the 0-3 season, like it's like so much good stuff happened, so many memorable games. And it just didn't end with a championship in any of those. But we also lost like in 03 to some terrible teams. Yeah, yeah. But you also beat Ohio State that year. You had the the Scott Starks play down at Purdue in 2004. You had the yep. John Stocko in the, the punt block, you know, in o5 I mean, like there were so many memorable games in that little in – those, in those three years. They were amazing. I, like, they're some of my favorite games ever. That, yeah. They always – it, it just didn't end the way, way you want. I'm not trying to bring you down, Bernie. I'm not no, – that's not what I'm trying to do here. Listen, one of the regrets I have in my life is not winning the Big Ten. I
0: mean, it, it would have been like what? The icing on my cake. To go play no, in a Rose Bowl somewhere would have been amazing. It would have been awesome. It would have been awesome. It just didn't
1: happen. But could this team do it? Win the big 10. Yeah. They'll have And my my whole thing is the optimists have to be right about Graham Mertz. The optimist, the optimists have to be right about Mertz. Yeah, He has to play at a level that at a certain level with consistency to have to give them a shot, because I think they have everything else that can to compete for the big 10. Now they are probably going to lose at Ohio state. Ohio state's offense is just insane. They're going to be great. It's going to be ridiculous, but you only have to beat them once like in the big 10 championship. Yes. You lose to them, beat everybody else, go to the big 10 championship game and play the game of your life and beat Ohio state again. And, uh, you win a big 10. That's, I mean, that's, you win the that's big what, Ten. who cares. That's what's but, that's, but that's also what it's been for the last in 20 in 2017 sure. in 2019. Like just you were right there and you just couldn't get over the hump.
0: What, what I'm, I, I don't want to say disappointed about is, but are our, our, it just looks like our schedule is really just not great. <laughs> just all the games we play except are just not I mean, let's be real. We got Illinois State, Washington State, and New Mexico the home, home schedule is horrible. I, I, I mean I, <laughs> I
1: don't I don't recall the home horrible. schedule really this bad Like in a long
0: time. What's what's the best game? We play Illinois, Minnesota Purdue, uh, Minnesota. I mean it's really Maryland. That's Maryland. It. It, it, it's terrible. We listen, we play at Michigan State, we play at Ohio State, we play at North Western, which is uh, every year is a nightmare. We play in Lincoln, like we play at Iowa City. I, for, I think for us, this is still a hard away schedule, but it's a terrible home schedule.
1: Last time uh, I saw you at a game was at Northwestern and you were up in the press box um chowing down.
0: <laughs> well, because first of all, the food was so bad, they left it all there. And I just was like, hey, I'm hungry. It was, it was um, like, so,
1: yeah, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But yeah, the kids no, running it's around place. the
0: state, it's a horrible place. Horrible place. Horrible place. Um, Oh, but I, you know, like what is, what does, what, what are these three games leading up? I mean, what are they, I can give you what I think, but what do you think about having three to me, not good teams we're going against to go into possibly a contender for a national championship, just I, like us, I, but I, at Ohio state,
1: <laughs> just like us contender. Um, I, I think it's a lot better than it was last year. I'll say that. I'll say it's a, it's a lot better to be starting the season against these three than it was going to be starting against Penn state, Eastern Michigan, and then Michigan, uh, and then Michigan, then Notre Dame was right after that. This is a much better way to go about it. Uh, gain some confidence, build some, build some confidence in a new offense, build some confidence in new starters on defense. I think it's a good thing. Now, are you going to be prepared to play Ohio state? I don't know. Probably. Uh, I mean, look, Ohio state is Ohio state. You know what you're going to be getting and it's probably going to be end up like being a night game. And all that good stuff and and they're probably going to struggle <laughs> to move the ball and struggle to score and uh, probably struggle to slow them so it's, it that's just what it is but I don't I don't necessarily think these three games one way or the other um is going is really going to matter the 24th but I think this is a better way to go about it than having to start with the way they started last year that's for sure
0: I I I agree I actually think cuz we're young and guys don't have experience you know just like the defense I mean they've played a lot but they haven't started I would say that this is a good schedule for us. I just hate that they're all home games. And like, this
1: is what I'm going to come watch. Oh, you, you don't like you, know, like, you don't like game days in Madison? No, I, think I love game days in Madison.
0: But do I want to see who's, what's the New Mexico State? Aggies? What are they? Those are the Aggies? I don't know. It's like a weird guy with a, a, a cowboy hat. I think it's, I think it's the Aggies. It's just a weird, yeah. Okay, cool. New, New Mexico, Mexico State. State, State. Yeah.
1: I don't know. What's what an, an Aggie? I don't know what an Aggie is. The Aggie, and Aggie? Maybe, maybe the guy from SEC country knows.
0: No, all right. Uh. <laughs> Listen, I, I do. I think I think this will help our team the best for the season. But going to Ohio State after these three games would be tough. But we'll have- thanks for
2: listening to the Believe in Badger Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Badgers. That's B L E A V in Badgers. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube page for full videos of our podcasts. The show is produced by Matt Perkins and Matt Bernstein with audio editing and mixing by Matt Perkins. Our theme music is by Matt Blaustein. Thanks again for listening and on Wisconsin.